Welcome. Stay tuned. All right. Let's uh, let's try that again. Andre, are you there? Mm, I'm ever. I'm here. Okay. Where else would I be? Ah, mm-hmm. man, just tech troubles right up front. So, anyways, what we were talking about, we were saying you uh, you weren't taking the podcasting thing seriously anymore, and you basically... We weren't saying that. We were saying that uh, it was perfectly reasonable for me to miss an episode because I was at a conference. I was at my Network of Churches Leadership Conference. It's annual. It's once a year. I go to it. I, I, go th- with I all think the that's other fine. Elders. I have no problem with conferences, but you, do you? Are you one of those guys that just don't cancel doctor's appointments? No, I, I I don't make I don't make doctor's appointments. That's a terrible. I don't answer. trust doctors. It's a terrible. I answer. just well, I, you, you you need to come up with a better example because I don't cancel appointments that I don't make. All right. Do you ever cancel appointments that you make? Yeah, all the time. All right. So I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> Typically, when someone doesn't cancel an appointment, it means they feel they feel very, very half-heartedly about that thing. <laughs> no, I, I suppose I suppose I should have told you in advance that I wasn't going to be there. Uh, but you know, yeah, I just thought you'd uh, roll with it. other people's lives thought, are involved. <laughs> I just thought you'd you know you'd I mean, wing it. Really thought, nice that you have a conference and stuff, but you know, <laughs> like the world dude. does not revolve around Andre Beck, you know. Well, it's true. I remember mom used to tell you that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> was that for me? Yeah, that was, was that my me. lesson. Well, I was always very humble growing up. I always cancelled all my appointments all the time. You know why? Because I respect other people. Did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, I, I take my rebuke. Okay. It's good. true. I should have I should have cancelled my appointment. All right, then we can move on. Sweet. Um so <clears throat> how was the conference? It was actually really good. Yeah. And it, it was, was really your FIECC thing. FIEC. Just UK. Kanye West was there. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. But it would have been cool if he was. That was, yeah, that was. Good. Uh, uh, no, FIC. So yeah, it's um, it's basically like uh, what's I'm trying to think of an equivalent for it. There is an FIC in Australia. So if there are any yeah. listeners from Australia, yeah, there is. Yeah, they think, probably know. I think even, and it's very similar in lots of ways to an X29. But it's probably more conservative yeah. than Acts 29. Yeah, that sounds about right. So it's yeah. like it's like a reformed evangelical-ish version of Acts 29. I mean, but would they would they emphasize complementarianism and Calvinism and that sort of yes. thing? Yes. Would they? Okay. So certainly complementarianism is a must mm. for all FIEC churches. Mm-hmm. And there's <clears throat> we also the other thing is we can't do gospel partner or we can't do church relationship stuff with dodgy churches. Okay. So we have to make these two kind of agreements that we won't have basically we won't have women on our eldership. And you can't hang out with X29 churches. 
and we can't ha- and we can't hang out with actually non <laughs> we can't hang out with like roman roman catholics hey, right. look you said it you said it i didn't say it yeah, actually sorry. we've got very good links with actually well that that's what happens when you when you're part of a, a dead and dying denomination i mean they start getting triple degree separation <laughs> issues and then the, then the other thing that happens is they start focusing yeah. inwardly and forget the church planning element yeah no it's not if i see actually it's um, like uh, loads of churches planted every year with the FIEC. It's as a I think there's like 33 new churches in the FIEC. Just yeah, the whole because um, I'm just I'm almost sure there's something happening with them in New Zealand as well. Um, if I if that I wouldn't right. be from UK side, that would be from, from Australia, Australia side, right. probably. Yeah, that makes sense. And they're uh, not really connected. They're just no. Australians saw what the FIEC was doing. So here I've and got went an back idea. And did their own thing. What I want to and do, and also imaginatively called it the FIEC. Yep, go on. What I wanted to do, I, I was, I, I had this like penny drop the other day. <clears throat> you know, usually okay. people are uniting around Baptist ecclesiology, or they uniting around, um, you know, like I don't know what uh, evangelical, you know, centrality, or in Acts twenty nine's case, church planting, um, from a reformedish standpoint. Um, all of those things, I mean, really, if you're going to, I think it makes sense to unite around a confession. I think that makes sense, you know, because you've got mm-hmm. all the, you know, so if you can get a group of people together to basically hit up all those, you know, cross all the T's, dot all the I's, fine. You know, it makes sense for them to hang out and join and whatever. And especially if you've got a full orb statement like the Westminster, etc. But um, Usually that's not the case, and because it's so full orbed, you end up going for a substandard sort of confession, which which ends up. I mean, I suppose it sort of upholds Christian orthodoxy at some level, and that's good, but usually not enough, you know, of a of a sort of a low side to, to be able to move things forward. Usually not a enough of a thing on which to build, you know, good solid mm-hmm. like mindedness in every category. Um, you know, it maybe Kelvin is maybe the one of the tricks behind X twenty nine. Is that it? Sort of, it really got onto one of those water, a couple of those watershed issues. Like, if you're complementarian, you tend to be in a certain camp, you know. So it's it's like a clever way to kind of bring all those guys together without having to spell it all out all the time. Same mm-hmm, thing with, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then Calvinism, of course. You know, you've got that's a that's a that's a good solid thing to glue it all together, but not enough. And, uh, you know, because you got an, other important elements. I was thinking the thing, I was actually reading through this book um, by William Wright on Luther and uh, his two kingdom doctrine. And uh, man, it was mind blowing to me because basically he, um, he's, he, you know, he just sort of showed how every single doctrine came from Luther's two kingdom perspective. Um, you know, it's all being right. driven by, it's kind of like what we would treat covenant theology as, you know, it's not exactly the same thing, yeah. but, but it was just this, this full scale, like, uh, architectonic principle, you know, that just, you build everything on. Just staying on backup, architectonic. Like that. I know that, that you did a podcast about this earlier, but remind me, what is it? Well, it's just, you know, so when you talk about architectural, um, you know, yeah. you, you're thinking about. So you're you know, thinking of like a framework, an architectural you know. structure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we're just we're just doing the 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 metaphysical version of that with architectonic. It's just a, a system of knowledge, really, and the the principle of on which makes it's me built. think of 
tectonic plates with yeah, well, architects on them. Well, you know, they often speak of like, uh, you'll again, you know, covenant the the tectonic plates of covenant theology are shifting, you know, and that sort of thing. And I think it's a good a good metaphor um, because it's exactly what it is. It, it provides that substructural level, you know, for to rope everything together. But but you know, with Lutheranism, you don't have the covenant theology thing. And typically, I've always thought of law gospel as their major deal or justification. Well, that's definitely what Jordan Cooper would say. Right, right. You know, we're actually getting him on. He's going to be on in a few weeks or two weeks, three weeks. Did I tell oh, cool. you? Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. So he signed yeah. up for that. Just and, as a matter of interest, who's, mm. whose slot is he coming in on? Am uh, I getting ditched for this? Yeah, is he yeah, coming? yeah. Oh, so Can feel, I join as well? So Can feel free to be at another too? conference that day. <laughs> I might, can, I, my, can I join in as well? Can it be a three-way conversation? Well, how about you just uh, come to your office and wait on the microphone, and I'll let you know maybe. <laughs> Guys, everyone listening, this is going to go on for weeks. It's going to so, be weeks of this. Weeks. So basically, what will happen is you'll just ask me where I am, and I'll say, oh, oh sorry, um, I'm podcasting with Jordan Cooper that day. Oh, yeah. You know, that's how it's and – and then I'll be like, what, what? I'll be like, what? I thought you could freestyle. I thought you could freestyle, whatever. <laughs> well, I will be freestyling. Um, <laughs> when I freestyle, I lose confidence. This um, is one of the things I want to ask him, though. I really do. Uh, because, um, you know, one way or another, here's, here's, here's my whole plan. Okay. Um, because you think about uh, the two kingdom thing, it, it does. It's just as he was talking through it, it really does make, it drives justification the way that Luther, I mean, definitely it's connected to, 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 uh, the covenant theology justification thing. Um, Van Drunen spells that out clearly enough. Uh, mission, mandate, I mean, dude, it's crazy. Ecclesiology, uh, cultural engagement, politics, eschatology. Um, it's it's amazing. And uh, so we should start a, mm -hmm. uh, what should we say, fraternity of reformed two kingdom, two kingdom being one word, mm -hmm. um, uh evangelicals right and you know what you get there forte wait <laughs> but then it's my forte or it's exactly. not my forte well it is our Whatever. forte two kingdom theologies are forte and that's what brings us One together time. and it's kind of I know forte just is a the little Latin bit more forts. about two kingdom stuff than i do about Kleinian stuff so and that if, would suit me just a tiny bit better i mean if if forte is the latin for fort which i'm not entirely sure it is that was a complete guess then no <laughs> no i'm fairly certain it isn't <laughs> well i mean if it is imagine how cool that then it's our fort <laughs> yeah, but but I'm pretty sure it isn't. <laughs> I oh, don't I don't know what it stands for, but I'm fairly certain it's like a musical term. Forte. Yeah, no, don't no. don't you remember like you, you know vibrato and and what do you call it? Like where it goes fast and slow and What are you talking about? Maybe it's a French word. It's not a Latin word. That's the problem. There is a Latin word, and that's a musical term. All right, I'm googling. But forte, right like now. you're using it, I reckon that's French, not Latin. Okay, forte, a thing right. at which someone right. excels. Um, yes. All right, so we got that part. Oh, I like that. That's enough, you know? But while you're talking about it, you do know that Jordan Cooper brought out a podcast recently where he was dealing with all the stuff. Yes, I listened to it. Yeah. The one where he's dealing with Oscar Clark. Yes, yes. I listened to it yesterday. It so was, that was interesting because he was, he was very clearly going like it's law gospel. 
Well, yeah, it was fascinating to listen to him talk because he's like, yeah, this covenant theology stuff, like, like it's if, well, as if it's some like weird. I was talking to Chris yesterday, and uh, we we found it mind blowing that um, you know that as a Lutheran, it really didn't contradict. You know, he was saying there was that one Lutheran guy <laughs> that that uh, was was Kleinian, oh, the, yeah. the only Lutheran yeah, Kleinian yeah. out there, and um, I, I just thought that was funny, but. But uh, yeah, I mean, I sort of, I suppose I, well, actually, he was just saying it was like trying to fit a square peg in a round hole, really, wasn't he? He was just saying like, yeah, you know, it's not quite working with the way Lutherans approach the grace thing prior to the fall and all that. And it's just, it'll be swimming mm-hmm. upstream. It just made me not want to be Lutheran, to be honest. No, although I did have a thought, though, yeah, which was about my Lutherobaptist thing, uh-huh. which is essentially that if anyone could believe in baptismal regeneration mm-hmm. baptist good uh, totally well that's you know what that's called what church of christ <laughs> oh is it yeah that's the thing i was just thinking that like it, the really the thing that makes baptismal regeneration awkward mm-hmm. is that they're doing it to infants not to professing christians i know, I know. like <clears throat> like that's Everyone, everyone, like if I feel like, like everybody knows that's what makes it awkward, you know. Yeah. Like there is a sense in which common sense will always tell you that some people are going to fall away from their baptism, and and in some ways Lutheran language, you know, um, I've got no problem with the language some of the time. Well, I mean, they, but, they, their whole thing. I mean, they're better. I think. I don't know, at least it all works together with Lutheranism because you basically, mm. look, you presume, you know, your kids save because they are regenerated at baptism, but regeneration does not equal election and you can fall away. And uh, that's the big thing. And so, you know, that that's sounds def- like federal visionism. Well, it, it sounds like, um, you know, it, it sounds like a, a, a worked out form of Presbyterianism without federal vision. That's what it sounds like to me, you know, in that you've got... Uh, with federal vision, it's kind of like, um, you know, you're, you're there because the whole thing for them, for the Lutherans, is that they're emphasizing the grace part of justification by faith, by grace through faith, right? Without any works and covenantal faithfulness. And that's what I think would separate them from the federal vision guys. Uh, the federal vision guys are sort of like, well, you know, we, we've got to awkwardly presume your, well, just be consistent with our Presbyterianism. Uh, we're going to awkwardly presume your regeneration. Um, we are then going to, you know, you could fall out of the covenant of grace, um, but you, you, you know, in terms of the elect, you can't ever be elect. Oh, you can't at least, sorry, be truly regenerate and fall away. So I don't think they would allow for that. And then the other thing is um, that, you know, it all it, the place of the law is, is completely necessary for, it's almost like Roman Catholic theology. Whereas with Lutheran uh, thinking, you've got, pure grace alone all the way through law gospel never the twain shall meet you know what i mean and it's just uh, it keeps that solid yeah. reformation angle going which i think is what the presbyterians have constantly struggled to do because of their uh you know covenant of grace thing you know so if let me put it this way if i was ever going to go in any in any infant baptist direction i think lutheranism would be the only option for me you know but obviously right. as you yeah, say yeah. it's just kind of it's super awkward because you know 
you know, it's sort of yeah, like undermines uh, the whole thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's just as it's a Baptist, totally, yeah, yeah. you're looking at it like, what the Because well, in one sense, in, yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. I, I, the other thing that I was thinking when I was listening to him talk about the Lutherobaptist thing mm. was that actually the law gospel distinction works really well with 1689 federalism. Oh, totally, totally. Although, you know, did you hear, it was interesting that he he was very emphatic of all points that there's definitely a difference between the Abrahamic covenant and the mosaic. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> so like, you, I, would, I, I, you I did the, pick that up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and he's like, the Abrahamic is obviously a <laughs> like gospel. No, no one denies that. I mean, come on. Yeah. Like you could not possibly, you know, <laughs> I mean, you do read have that passage the... and come to any other conclusion. Oh boy. So funny. So, uh, I mean, yeah. So if you just had to tweak, I mean, but this is an obvious flaw with 1689 federalism. This is what needs to be fixed. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I think it will um, be. I think um, I have hope. I, th I think yeah. it's, it's in the infant phase, so to speak. You know, they've just recovered it. Everyone's mm -hmm. excited. I love the way it leans. It leans in the right direction. You know, it, it sort of embraces the best of law gospel Lutheranism, in my opinion. Um, it, it, you know, it allows for a full scale Kleinianism. You know, you can really just drive on there. Um, you can go Klein 2.0 if you want to. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, and, and like for whatever debate there exists on, on the various exegetical outworkings, I mean, we essentially are even together with the Lutherans in thinking about that centrality of the covenant of grace happening in the new covenant, you know, that's a great emphasis as well. You don't want to emphasize the ratification of the covenant of grace some, at, you know, in any other place than the cross ultimately, you know? So in terms of where it leans, it's, it's all great. I love it. I'm, I'm more excited than ever before to be, you know, a confessional reformed Baptist, but you know, it's just a matter of working out, tweaking those things and, you know, seeing the, seeing the whole thing mature. But even there, there's a, there's a allowance for, for differences. And so, you know, even if you don't exactly line up, who cares, it's still going to be far less of a deviance to, or, or, or a, you know, a variety of views than you would have in your typical Westminster scenario anyway. Yeah, one time. Yeah. Yeah. I, the thing that I still have a lot of, like there's a couple of areas where I, I think I differ from like old school, strict and particular Baptist thing. Obviously the one thing is the Sabbath. We've spoken about that. Yeah. <clears throat> um, although I, I do find myself kind of having a greater a growing appreciation for the significance of the Lord's Day. Right. But I'm still not sure I'm willing to kind of equate the two, you know. Yeah. Uh, the 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 other thing that I really struggle with is kind of uh the kind of closed membership um mm. and thing. So at the conference Mark Dever was one of the kind of keynote mm -hmm. speakers. Mhm. Mm and he, you know, he's just going full Baptist. So he was just like, "Look, that's what the Bible teaches. It's very clear. This is what the Bible teaches. You know about the whole baptism thing." Yep. And he was talking about how he's obviously like good friends with Ligon Duncan, who's a Presbyterian, hmm. and uh, John Piper was sitting there in the middle as well. And they had the kind of discussion about um, how uh, Deva wouldn't have Ligon Duncan as a member of his church. Right, but would have him there to preach, mm. and Piper was like, "That's insane! How could you do that?" Yeah, and then Ligon Duncan was like, "Well, actually, John, if I were going to be a Baptist, I'd be Mark's kind of Baptist." So, right, like he's siding with Mark Dever, saying yeah. that he completely understands 
that he wouldn't be able to be a member of the church but could be able to preach. For me, that makes no sense at all. So explain this to me. Like it makes no sense that you wouldn't have someone as a member Mm -hmm. but you would have them as a preacher. Dude. (coughs) Well, I think, I don't know, it makes perfect sense to me. Um, in that it's the doctrine. Yeah, but this is of, what I'm thinking. I, I must be missing something. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, I mean, it all hangs on liberty of conscience for me. I mean, that Christ alone is Lord of the conscience, yeah. and it's it's denominations is not a bad thing. It's a good thing in that in that uh, what, what what you're trying to do there is honor the Lord of the conscience and express your unity despite your differences. So, the whole thing there is is to say my conscience won't allow me. See, the thing is for a, for a Baptist to deny that principle of a kind of closed membership, I think, is the denial of the thing that makes him Baptist, essentially. So it's with a yeah. Presbyterian, you can kind of, you can you wiggle around, you haven't really denied your sine qua non, so to speak. But uh, with the Baptist, you have. And, and so I think it's, it makes sense if you're going to honor that, that, that real conviction and conscience to to follow through with that, but in every attempt to express unity in the body of Christ, um, so not only to not be prideful and conceited. But could you about not? It, but... I mean, could you not maintain your Baptist identity if it's that important? A by having um, a confession that's baptistic mm-hmm. as the confession of your church, and B, uh, but but you know, when I I don't think um, that it should be total subscription anyway no, so fine, you yeah, are allowing yeah. some freedom of conscience mm-hmm. um on on some points here and there mm. um but uh couldn't you a have that and b not baptize infants like surely that also affirms your identity as a baptist you can say look you we recognize you as a as being part of the you are a member of the body of christ right and so therefore what right do what right does a local church have? Like, isn't isn't the point of local church membership mm-hmm. to recognize at a local level membership to the body of Christ? Uh, yes. So then, what right does a local church have to say to a Presbyterian brother, "No, you may not be a member of this church, even though you are a member of the church." Well, you know, I suppose what you'd say is, no, you're not a member of of the church if you're not a member of your local Presbyterian church. And I think that's the thing. You're not the only church. You're, you're a denomination within the body of Christ. And so I suppose that's what, what keeps it all sane for me in that, you know, it's certainly if a guy, if a Presbyterian wasn't a member of a, his own Presbyterian local congregation, I wouldn't let him preach, you know. Um but the whole idea yeah. is that you're in good standing with a congregation that that gathers around their own uh, doctrinal convictions on this issue, uh, realizing that we're one in every way, um, except you know this 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 unity rev- involves a, a, the lordship of Christ over the conscience, and so that that's just one of those necessary things. It's the way to honor that. Um, so yeah, I suppose that's where I'm seeing it in the bigger framework. You know, um, each each local church must. You know, follow through on those things that that they see to be the correct teaching of Scripture. Otherwise, otherwise you end up in in something very cavalier and and, and sort of I don't know. I've just never seen it work well. Let's put it that way. Because what happens is, um, you know, if you're gonna, especially with something like baptism, you know, we were talking about the two kingdom thing earlier. What's interesting about the the Baptist issue in terms of a watershed thing? I've I've often thought about this because in some ways, mm-hmm. I hate the Baptist like tag on as as a way to define yourself because it's such a you know like i mean it's such a small issue comparatively speaking right i mean it's just not mm-hmm. even a, a thing 
Um, I mean, yes, the the sacrament and its administration. Really, what we're down to is the subject of the of the subjects of, of baptism. You know, yeah. at that level, which is you know and the quite mode, a small yeah. thing. Um, and, and and what makes it worse is that as Reformed Baptists, you know, then all of a sudden you're linked in with like the Baptist Union and Baptists, and and I think it it is yeah. quite a stupid thing to you know basically unite around this idea that you're going to dunk adults, even though if you, you know, you could be so heretically different from one another otherwise, you know, which is typically what you find in these Baptist unions. I mean, there's just such a scope of, of, of theological views. And a lot of them are just not even orthodox and yet they all dunk. And so everyone's happy, you know, and it's just, um, I think that's crazy. So that makes me mad. But at the same time, if you add on the reform thing to it, it sort of provides a little bit of a nuance. It's almost like another way of saying reformed to kingdom or something, because, you know, what's interesting about the Baptist thing is you can't, it, 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 it covers the two kingdom angle. There's no way that you're going to be anything but two kingdom. You're going to hold to a certain church and state perspective. So the ecclesiology is not just on the subjects of baptism, but it involves a redemptive understanding or an understanding of redemptive history. It involves a uh, the, the outworking of uh, church and state it involves you know your your you know you'll almost whether you call it two kingdom or not you'll believe in the spirituality of the church um, you know and so you're not going to flounder around in what a lot of reformed theology has done um, you know it's just going to keep you on the same page on so many different things um, and uh, not to mention you know leadership issues within the church and practical practical elements and you know of, of important ecclesiology so you know just from that practical standpoint i know you know a lot of acts 29 churches for example um you know great churches they've made the decision to obviously they're not taking on the baptist angle at all they're just going right well we do both you know we we um we allow uh, we're we're baptist you know they'll pretty much do exactly what you just described you know we'll perhaps be baptist in our conviction but we'll allow both and and that's as far as it goes. Uh, my worry with that is just that, you know, well, firstly, they're not Baptists. So, you know, again, it's like that conviction is obviously not at, at the level that maybe a Baptist church would be. But then the other thing is that, you know, just on a, if you're if you're roping all of that in, uh, even to the eldership level, I mean, these are deep points of unity that if you don't have, not just on the subjects of baptism thing, but on the on the whole framework of theology, you know, if you don't have that in the eldership, that's going to lead trouble. If you don't have that in the membership, I think, you know, I've just seen how that has been so, so huge in our membership. We all, you know, by virtue of the fact that we've landed on that point, people have had to make very, very difficult decisions to get there. Often it's involved lots of family strain. People have thought deeply about the issue. They've seen the connected covenant theology. You know, they, they understand the Bible in the same way. They understand their place in terms of cultural involvement. So it just puts you into such a um, place of unity, you know, that I, you wouldn't have that. That's just the bottom line. If you if you were allowed for a, you know, a Presbyterian option, you would be allowing for substrands of that theology uh, at, at, in ways that you just wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to get to the same level of doctrinal unity. Not, not that I'm saying that... Um, you know, that can't be had in a Presbyterian church or, but I'm just saying, you know, when you mix it up like that, I think that's what you sacrifice on for sure. But then if baptism is significant enough to deny mm -hmm. membership, mm -hmm. surely it's significant enough to deny the pulpit. Well, I think like, so, well, so not, the way I see it yeah. from, from my point of view is that the strength of my position mm -hmm 
is that it means that I'm able to be consistent in terms of uh, what sorts of doctrines, um, <clears throat> you know, are, are serious, you know, are, mm. are, are serious errors. So I can I can have a Presbyterian come over to the church and preach because um, I know that this is not an issue that our church is dividing over. So. Right. Um, we are a Baptist church with a Baptist identity and Baptist practice. And we ask that people will get in line with that. Mm -hmm. But if they've been baptized as an infant and they really just don't feel right about being rebaptized, we'll take them into membership because mm -hmm. um, we're not going to force them to be rebaptized if they're Christians and all other checks and things are, are there, they can come into membership. And so, therefore, I feel it's like consistent that I could also have someone like that preach. But if it's serious enough for me to say, listen, um, you can't be a member here mm -hmm. and hold to that view, then surely that would be like amplified up for someone who's speaking. So, yeah, for right. example, for example, we've got um, we've got a guy who. Um, has a kind of a weird kind of new perspective stroke federal vision thing going on, mm. okay? And even though we would agree with him on everything else, I haven't allowed him to come into the pulpit because I think that that's serious enough for me to say that's, that's verging on a major issue. Mm -hmm. You know, depending on where you are on the, on the federal vision spectrum, you know, that, that for me is, is verging on a fundamental issue of justification <clears throat> and election and so on. Mm -hmm. so, um, so therefore, I won't invite someone, even if they agree to play by our Baptist rules, they can't mm -hmm. speak mm -hmm. because I know that they hold that view anyway. Yep. Um, and so the same would be true for kind of membership. Mm -hmm. um, but it wouldn't be, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, it would be especially so for the preacher. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily, especially so for the member, because in some level, members don't come in with the same level of expertise. Like, you know, so uh, guys who come into the church, and it's only happened once or twice, but that we've allowed into membership who've been baptized as infants, mm -hmm. they don't actually have a huge amount of Presbyterian covenant theology with them. Right. You know, it's yeah. more of a kind of traditional thing. Mm -hmm. Um. Uh, but everything else is so clearly in place in terms of their their faith and their mm. conviction, their salvation. It just didn't feel like it was an issue that we needed to to flag up particularly. Well, that's funny because that's exactly um, yeah. I, I know what you mean, but I think that's what drives me to want to push it because if they've just been baptized for a traditional reason or whatever, then you know I, I feel like honestly to come under my pastoral oversight like. You know, there should be more to baptism than that, and this is what it is, and and it's this glorious, you know. Um, yeah, moment but now they that, have a chance to do that, so yeah. now they can come, be part of the church, sit under the preaching, be involved yeah. in all the membership things, get and and be encouraged to do that. Whereas See, before, think, you just send them packing. You know, you know, just and, what I've said often about this, and maybe there's an important point of context too, is that um, you know, if there was no pres good Presbyterian church, you know, around. Yeah, like close yeah. by or just in reasonable distance. Um, I think I would sort of, you know, I have to reconsider all of this. And I know like Nick's 
And I think I think Nick has done that, and I know like just two hours down the road they've had to do that as Reformed Baptists, and and um, and they would be full on confessional, but I think they've made some sort of associate membership possible or something like that. Um, and so you know it's it, totally you know I mean that makes sense, and really you're just more moving along the John Bunyan route there. Although I know what Jim Brennan would say to you, he go brother, okay, well, you, what you would are you say? not a Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> and neither was John Bunyan. You know? So and yeah, and yeah, so you know, but but with that in place, he'd be like, oh, you know, I, I'm just thinking like, you know, we just down the road, I and mean, we've got we got a really good Presbyterian Reformed, awesome church, you know. So and then we got the Reformed mm-hmm. Church, so you can go to them as well. They're all preaching the gospel, you know. So it's you know, there is no reason for us to have to compromise this right now. You know, and you can't have your cake and eat it too. You know, you, we are a Baptist church, so you do need to play ball here. And so I suppose that's led me to take a slightly harder line on this. But um, yeah, for sure. But you know what I mean? Like, how could you do that if you were the only gospel preaching church or something like that in, in the in the in the town? Or And a lot of unfortunately, uh, you know, a lot of people are in that situation where I think you've got to at least find some sort of plan to allow for that conviction, even within a local church. So, yeah, it really does come down to wisdom and context at the end of the day. But, uh, you know, I just I've seen too much benefit. For from the you know just even talking about what we were just talking about right now, you know you mentioned they come into the church, they have an opportunity to sit under the word, you know perhaps they're baptized as infants for random reasons or whatever, and uh, the hope then is that eventually they will, um, you know reconsider that and get baptized, but their members all the same in the meantime. Well, I've just found that you know you can do all that anyway obviously at, at, at gracenet you can come along you can be a regular attender you really can involve yourself in every in every sense you know um but i just to be a member you you're coming in on decisions at that point you're making some some pretty big uh you know moments with the church you're moving along in a in a much closer way uh, we need that doctrinal unity in order to to stay, stay you know stay the course on on various theological issues that we don't even know are are, are coming up. Um, and then the other thing is just for those people individually. I know that as much as it sounds like, well, it, it seems like almost you need the 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 awkwardness of not being a member to be able to force the issue of thinking through the thinking through the subject. Because often people don't want to have to re-get get baptized again, or they don't want to have to deal with the discomfort of it, um, and that's fair enough. But but when the issue is placed before them, hey, I really want to be part of this church. Why? What's going on here? And they have to dig into it. It it's almost allows you to pastor them properly um, by taking you through that that subject that otherwise they'd just be happy to sit on forever. So I don't know. That's some of my mm-hmm. thoughts there. But again, you know. You know, good men have taken different opinions on this. I think that's well demonstrated by the conference you just went to. Um, and yeah, so it is an FIC thing that it's it's a definite FIC. So you can be part of the FIC and be Peter Baptist or Baptist doesn't really right. matter. Um, and every FIC church, obviously, it's it's not a denomination. It's a it's a fellowship of independent evangelical churches. So they, every church can make up its mind whether it wants Baptist, Peter Baptist, or undecided on the issue kind of thing. But the whole ether, ethos of the FIEC, mm. and it's the, the history, there's a brief little history on the FIEC website that's worth reading because it deals with this issue precisely. <laughs> um, and it's the whole idea of, of, you know, what is that, like you were saying at the beginning, what's that kind of core thing 
you want everyone to unite around. Mm-hmm. You know, is it a confession or is it a like a church planting? Is it a function? Is it a you know, mm. like what is the core thing? And for the FIEC, it's the gospel as defined in nine points. Right. So the old churches, the whole idea is that it's it's a kind of gospel centered unity. It goes back to 1920. That's when the whole thing was mm-hmm. was. Okay. Um, was started and so i guess we are carrying uh, that that has been a big influence mm, and it does make mm. sense to me um so I, I i like to think we do have a kind of baptist but but i've like you i i've always hated the fact that baptism has been the thing that defines baptists mm. you know when in actual fact that's not the thing it's ecclesiology or it's the two kingdoms thing or baptism is the is the peak of the iceberg mm. you know of of what actually makes baptist baptist yeah i mean but on the the you know i'm not thinking in the reformed world here i'm thinking the the kind of you know baptist baptists you know the the everything from anabaptists onwards they really have okay, only united on that point you know i mean you get such wacky yeah. extreme views and that's but i would and that's yeah. crazy i mean that's i would rather like, unite with presbyterians oh, than totally. with Exactly. Exactly. I've always said that, you know, like a Luthero Baptist or Baptisterian or something like that is probably, you know, it just allows you to make that point because, um, you know, at the end of the day, the Baptist thing is kind of the, you know, the last point on there, you know, that, that just separates you somewhat from the basic tradition. So it really is, it's not a true representation if, you know, we need to come up with a better word because the whole thing is like, because you do get Baptist unions out there, you know, to even just call yourself Baptist at that level is 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 just a wrong. Yeah, I'm constantly telling people that I'm like, okay, we're a Reformed Baptist, but really just get rid of the idea of Baptist because we have nothing to do with the Baptists in New Zealand, and uh, we have everything to do with the Reformed guys. You know, that's our world. Yeah, that's our time. that's yeah. our life, and and that has been the case historically. We come out of the Puritans, and that's that's the bottom line. We have nothing to do with the Anabaptist Reformation and all that. You know, so um, you can. Do you know what really helped to make that point very clearly? What? Except the Presbyterian into membership. Um, yeah. Except uh, <laughs> I think except Chris as an honorary. Just have Chris as an honorary. That, right, that would member. be accepting an Anglican. Oh, he's Anglican. That's yeah, too that's far. Tough. That's too far. Okay. That's way too far. How could, you, how could you do that? It's bad enough that we're podcasting together. Oh man, do you do you sort of? You know, cover your microphone in a brown paper bag when you podcast with it. <laughs> yeah, that's more. It's more like he has to do that for me. You know, the Anglicans take strain talking to mere Baptists. You know, yeah, he's being true. very gracious. Everybody hates Baptists. Exactly, he's extending a very gracious hand of fellowship. He's breaking the mold. Yeah. I'm know? surprised. I'm surprised Jordan Cooper's coming on the podcast because he's like Baptist. <laughs> Baptist. You know, take your hand off my tail. You are making me dirty. <laughs> Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's because of our SATS link, I think, because uh, he did his okay, PhD yeah. at SATS and we've got the same supervisor. So, um, yeah, I think go. I heard him say, and you know, I think it was more or less said exactly these words something like, uh, Are Baptists, well, they're not really anything, so don't worry about them. Well, it, talking about the Baptist Baptists, I, I would agree. No, you know? no, just generally. All Baptists. I think it was just like a broad breaststrokes, just chuck them all in the bin. 
Well, the thing like, is, I think that and that's I've heard true. that view from so many. Different, I've heard it from Anglicans. I've heard it from Presbyterians. Everyone's everyone just disregards Baptists. They're like, oh, well, and Baptists, true. They're the Again, babies like, in I the think, field. I think they disregard Baptists for sure. And and in some sense, you know, rightly so. I mean, wow, what a hodgepodge, what a mess, you know, just throw it uh, yeah. throw it away. But no one. Well, firstly, they don't know about Reformed Baptists. Number one, or when they do, they think of MacArthur. You know. Um, which, you know, <laughs> yeah, fair Kelvin, enough, throw it Kelvin away, mystic. throw it away, you know. Um, and, and so such a small drop in the ocean, the whole, the, the um, but, you know, interestingly, the people that take Baptists seriously, Reformed Baptists now, uh, and this has been awesome to see, are, um, are church historians. You know, it's really funny. I don't know if you've noticed, like Paul Helm, for example, he was up in arms, you know, about the whole, um, you know, Van Drew. Isn't he thing. a Baptist? Yeah, but like as a church historian, like, I mean, he's not, he doesn't play in Baptist world, okay. you know. I mean, he's like a well regarded church historian all across. And, uh, and he's just like, listen, at the end of the day, you know, you've, you've missed out on a major brand of your own sort of historical trajectory. And then, and then, you know, what else? Uh, Richard Miller, for example, he's like, listen, you know, I mean, who's he is not Baptist in any stretch of imagination, no. but but he's like, yeah, one of the the best contributors on on these reform points have been, you know, Baptist, blah, blah blah. You know, they just they just see the facts and they see the Puritan lead out into what is undeniably, you know, its end point in the Baptist Confession, and it's a significant strand in the Reformation. So you you just, you know, it's like only, you know, it's only those that wouldn't have seen that big chunk of history that. That wouldn't take it seriously but unfortunately that's that's many people you know um so i suppose everyone's got their woes i mean as as uh jordan's always saying you know lutheranism wh what is that <laughs> you know what i mean like that lutheran yeah, is like yeah. a german club essentially you know it's german liberal club um uh every lutheran church i've ever been to has just been like totally ridiculous you know um yeah yeah. And um, I think I think from what I've heard, all but those few, I think the synod that he's in, and then the Missouri one, um, I think they're the only like conservative Lutherans out there. Obviously, confessional, no confessional. You know what I mean? Like the rest are just completely messed up. Um, maybe with a few exceptions. So you know, everyone's got their issues. You know, um, you don't want to mm. you don't want to give the wrong impression there. But um, at the same time, it is true that. And, you know, it has been true right from the beginning. When when the Puritans went Baptist, they knew that they were siding with what happened at Munster. They were, well, they weren't siding with it, but they were associating themselves to that, you know. And, uh, yeah, yeah. and they knew it from the beginning. We're going to be hated, despised, rejected, kept from seminaries, kept from schools, you know. Uh, it's like we're making a, a, a significant, um, like, not life success move <laughs> you know we're we're, we're not going to be no, uh, held yeah. in any regard and that's what i think gives us its credence a lot of the time because i mean these guys they, they came from you know high and mighty places but they, they they followed conviction and i'm always really proud of that i always think of like um john gill for example that you've got this this monster intellect you know just and and yeah, yeah. and uh, he's not allowed going to high school or grammar school even i think um, because he's a Baptist, because his parents had Baptist convictions, you know. So you know what he does? He just he's like, all right, sweet, I'll just go to the bookstore, and then he like learns Greek and Hebrew and Latin, reading books at the bookstore, <laughs> you know, yeah, without buying the books, ridiculous. you know. Just yeah, and, yeah, and then there's this famous story where he's like, he's like, um, 
you know, so how much is this Greek New Testament? You know, and, and all the the shopkeeper and all his buddies laughed at this little boy who, uh, you know, would ask such an arrogant question, you know, how audacious. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and, and so in, in, in jest, he said, listen, if you can read me a page of that Greek New Testament, you can have it. So he read a page. <laughs> And he had it, <laughs> and then it became like an idiom in the whole in the whole city that as sure something was really sure, uh, as sure as John Gill was at the bookseller's shop. <laughs> oh right, yeah, that's awesome. And then eventually, he's the stalwart defender of the Trinity, and everyone wants to give him a doctorate, and he's like, "Nah, no thanks, I'm doing yeah, just fine." You can take your doctorate. The only, the stick, only stick it up your Anglican. Yeah, exactly. The only English speaker alive to do a full commentary on every verse of scripture and a double volume systematic but damn mm. i mean like what's mm. up with that i love the, i love stories like that stick it to the man you know what are we saying we're saying be a baptist it's cool to be a baptist it's really. cool it's underdog it's very cool especially if you're a two kingdom Kleinian baptist that's so like niche. The, that's the <laughs> so niche. We need to think. So, of, so you can definitely drink a craft beer and call yourself a Two Kingdom Kleinian Baptist. Oh my goodness! <laughs> that, you are at the zenith <laughs> of cool. I mean, it does not get cooler than that. You are so oh, darn man. underdog right there. It's just not even funny. Like, you're so underdog, no one even knows you exist. You have officially <laughs> brought yourself into obscurity to the point of meaninglessness. <laughs> <laughs> And yet, uh, profound consistency in a worldview. <laughs> you have. You are the hobgoblin that has a little mind. <laughs> uh, you know that, that saying, Francis Schaeffer? He's like, what? Forced consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds. Right. There Dude, you go. There we go. You have become the hobgoblin. Especially no. if you're drinking a hobgoblin IPA. Which is excellent. By oh, way. yeah. Which I do like. Oh. I like a bit of hobgoblin. Oh man. Anyway. Oh um, my. So it's almost Yuletide. Almost Yuletide. All right. Oh, that, at some point. that is another <laughs> podcast. All right. We. I think we've successfully sorted this issue out. I mean, there surely should I be no so. questions left after we've dealt, dealt with I this at so. such an exhaustive uh, level. Uh, we have we have traversed the heights and the depths of the subject. Uh, we know that the F-I-E-C-C-U-K-N-Z thing is just stupid and no one should be a part of it. And, uh, and I'm going to chop it and I'm going to drop it. Mm -hmm. I will see you on the flip side. Mm -hmm.